Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center. Here we dream revival and serve people with love. Today, Pastor Preeti starts a new series based on the cross of Jesus. Today, he shares on how the cross is the wisdom and power of God. Stay tuned. This month, we are starting a new series. It is a series on uh, the cross. You know, if you read the uh, verse for the month on your calendar, you would know that this is, that is the theme for this month. And so we'll focus on this for this month. The sermon for this morning, I have titled it as the wisdom and the power of the cross. Let's begin our reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. This is Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church at Corinth and he says, I appeal to you, which means I request you. I am asking a favor from you, dear brothers and sisters. And he is saying, I'm appealing to you by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what is my appeal? It is that you will live in harmony with each other. There is a divi dividing force in the church right now. But my appeal to you is that you will live in harmony with each other. You know, the enemy, he, he's a master at dividing God's people against God's people. And sometimes he will give you scriptural reasons to be in living in division. Sometimes he will give you, uh, he will even use scriptural language to divide a brother against a brother. But Paul says, I want you, I want to appeal to you, my dear friends, to not be divided, but to live in harmony. Last Sunday, we finished with this verse that said, harmony is refreshing. You remember that scripture? Psalm 133. Harmony is like the anointing oil that flows down Aaron's beard. That is the power of harmony. And now Apostle Paul is writing to the church, a church that has the gifts of the Holy Spirit, a church that has the presence of Jesus, a church that is filled in the power of God, is writing to a church like that and he's saying, I want you to live in harmony. Which means, we may have great time of worship here in church and yet, there may be danger of us not having harmony among us. And that's why he's writing to them and he's saying, what is this that I'm hearing? There is lack of harmony in the church. So, I request you to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Look at your neighbor and say, let there be no divisions in the church. Look at another neighbor and say, let there be no divisions in this church. Yeah. No divisions in this church. Amen. Then it says, rather you have to be off one mind united in thought and purpose. Come on, keep your hand on your head and say, Lord, give me the grace to be of one mind with my church. Give me the grace to be of one thought with my church. Give me the grace to have the same purpose as my church. Are, are these scriptural prayers? Yes, this is in scripture. So we are praying those things, yeah? Verse 11, For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. This, where, where is this happening? Inside a church. A church that Apostle Paul is the spiritual father over. And yet there is quarrels in the church. What is the reason for the quarrels? We'll read that further. He says, some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. While others are saying, I follow Apollos. Then there are others who say, no, 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 I follow Peter. Then there is a fourth category of people that says, no, 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 we are the most spiritual of all. I follow only Christ. But he's saying, why are you letting these things divide you? 
why are you letting the people that you are committed to see is is it true paul is asking them is it true that i am a spiritual father to you it is true he would write about that in the next chapter is it true that apollos did a good and a powerful work in the church at corinth absolutely is it also true that god used peter to raise jews who will go and preach the gospel around the world especially in the church at corinth absolutely true and yet that couldn't become the dividing factor of the church who is your spiritual father or who is your pastor cannot become the reason to begin to fight one another where you're receiving your help cannot become the reason to begin to you know cause divisions in the church nor can you come here and say no 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 all of you guys are you know low caste i'm high because i follow christ directly no you you cannot let these things be the reason for division then he goes on to say has christ been divided into fractions come on you and i we are the body of christ you're not the body of peter or paul or apollos we are the body of christ and then he's saying has christ been divided into fractions that you say hey i cannot cooperate with these guys because they are following paul has christ been divided into factions was i paul crucified for you he's saying the only person that deserves your undivided loyalty and allegiance is the one who was crucified for you and then he is putting himself in that place and he's saying was i paul crucified for you where any of you baptized in the name of any of you baptized in the name of brc come on let me see your hands all those who took baptism for brc all those who took baptism so you can be members here anybody so paul is asking this question and saying were any of you baptized in the name of paul of course not the next verse says i thank god that i did not baptize any of you except crispus and gaius and then he says for now on no one can say that they were baptized in my name then he goes on to explain because christ when he sent me he didn't send me to just baptize people but he sent me to preach the good news but the preaching of this good news it couldn't come with clever speech for fear that the cross of christ would lose its power then please understand what he's trying to explain to us okay he's saying that the one thing that is that should be the uniting factor in the church is the fact that there is somebody who is crucified for us okay paul was not crucified apollos was not crucified peter wasn't crucified the only person who was crucified was jesus he is the one that is in us and working through us and, and we represent him and then he says hey were you baptized in my name i'm thankful that i didn't even baptize any of you because then you would say that because i baptized you you need to be loyal to me then he goes on to say when i came to you i didn't come to just baptize or make followers i came to preach the good news that was the assignment on my life and this is how i preach the good news not with clever speech do you know that you can do certain things with human intelligence with clever uh, wisdom and clever ways of getting people to say yes and agree to certain things paul says that's not how i came to you when i preached to you what impressed you was not my proficiency of english what impressed you is not how many bible verses i know i didn't come to you based on how how well i can teach or how well i can preach no it was not clever speech the reason it's not because paul didn't have a lot of theological understanding he did have but he didn't go in the cleverness of speech because he said if i would do that then the cross of christ would lose its power what does it say 
for the fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. Because what is supposed to transform lives is not my clever speech. What is supposed to turn your life around is not the, the anointing of the pastor. What is supposed to turn your life around is a revelation of the cross. This cross, if you see it from the correct perspective, the cross on which Jesus died, the cross that Jesus carried, the cross that Jesus gave his life upon, the cross that still stands as a symbol of God's love for us, of God's grace towards us, if we have an understanding of this cross, then we will know that one thing that can truly, totally, completely transform us. We will understand power. Your power is not in just understanding clever speech. So he goes on to explain in the next line in verse 18. It says, the message of the cross, it is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. So there, are, uh, there is a group of people that are headed for destruction. Thank God we are not that. It says to the ones that are headed for destruction, the message of the cross, it is what? It is foolish. They find it amusing. They, they may laugh at it. It doesn't make sense to them. It's not logical. It's not rational. They don't even understand it. They just make light of it and they just push it off. It says that to the ones that are headed for destruction, the message of this cross, the message of what Jesus did for us on the cross, it is foolishness for them. See, it is our responsibility to make sure that everybody knows the message of the cross. But it is not our responsibility to make sure that they, 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 they follow it. Because for some people, it's just foolishness. That's why you, you cannot you cannot force somebody to receive this message. It has to, their eyes have to be opened. You, you cannot ask somebody to follow Jesus unless they have a revelation of who this Jesus is. You cannot ask somebody to do something uh, that, that they, they don't have a revelation about. Our job is not to make converts. Our job is to preach the gospel. That's what Paul said. He said, I didn't come to baptize any of you. I came to preach the gospel. I came to tell you about the cross, the, the power of the cross. This message, some people when they listen to it, they find it very foolish, very meaningless, very pointless. And yet, for us who are being saved, look at your neighbor and say, we are being saved. Yeah, we are not perfect. We are not, we have not reached the end. We are being saved. Okay. It's a present continuous tense. What he's saying is, we are being saved. Not that we were saved in 1997 when I prayed that sinner's prayer. Not that we will be saved. He says, we are being saved. Which means, the message of the cross is not a one-time revelation. It's a revelation that I need continually. So that it, it can continue to save me. It can continue to change me. It can continue to transform me. It says, but for us who are being saved, the message of the cross, it is the very raw dunamis, the raw power of God. What is foolishness for someone else? For me, that is the power of God. The, the resources of God. The fullness of God. The, the provisions of God. See, what someone else rejects as dirt and waste, as things that, ah, what's the big deal about this? Let me tell you this. Even the church sometimes, we, we talk less about the cross of Christ because we think, okay, that's, that's when you get saved. No, my church is full of Christians. Why should I preach about the cross? But Paul says, no, 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 for us, we are being, he's not even saying, church, you need this. He's saying us. For us. He's not saying, I, I'm, I, I, I know everything, but you guys, you, you still are quarreling, so you need. No, no, no. He's saying for us who are being saved, this message of the cross, it is the very power of God. 
next verse as the scriptures say i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligence he he is quoting from isaiah chapter 29 and verse 14 and he's saying hey there are the wisdom of the, there are the wise of the world there are the intelligent of the world but the message of the cross was intended to destroy the wisdom of the wise because they they can't put two and two together and try to understand this it has to come as a revelation this is not meant for the intelligent to figure out that is why no matter how intelligent you are just reading the bible is not going to make sense to you you know there is a ethiopian eunuch who was reading the bible and this guy he is the treasurer of the nation of ethiopia which means he is the finance minister of ethiopia you think that he is not learned you think he is not intelligent enough do you think he is not knowledgeable enough to know what happened in jerusalem that he has not heard about this person who died and who claims to have been resurrected do, do you do you think that he was unaware of the information that happened in that in that time no so just information was not enough to transform this had to come as a revelation it, it is not it is not the wisdom of the world that we are talking about this morning it is not the intelligence of the world that we are talking about this morning this is the grace that comes from focusing our attention on the cross it says in verse 20 so where does this leave the philosophers the scholars and the world's brilliant debaters have you have you met one of them do you have any any of these guys in your friend list or do they do you follow any of them on instagram you know every day they have a fresh debate every day they have and they and some of those debates are very profound and some of those topics that they talk about may actually be valid very good and yet all of that skills all of that intelligence cannot be used to decipher the power of god that is not un, that is not enough to understand the wisdom of god it says where does this leave the philosophers the scholars the world's brilliant debaters it says god has made the wisdom of this world look like it is foolishness cuz god put it right in front of them and yet they cannot understand it can you imagine the fact that jesus died for all humanity has been the most central the most important historical event in all of history it's right there it's recorded in all of history and yet people don't see it and yet people don't understand it and yet people don't catch it it says narrow is the way and few are the ones that walk on that way that leads to life it's not because god is like hidden it it's right there and yet it cannot be understood with the wisdom of this world it says since god in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe so in other words it is not by the wisdom of the world not by the philosophical work that you do it is not by the scholarly studying that you do it is not by the brilliant argumentative debates that you do but it is the foolish preaching that's what paul says paul says man when i came to you and i preached i made sure not to use clever speech why i i i intentionally wanted you to think that i'm foolish i actually wanted you to think that i don't know scriptures as much as i know i i hid my cleverness why so that the cross may not lose its power because if i would demonstrate my power and my wisdom and my intelligence that's that's going to work against the power of the cross so he said i, in, I intentionally kept this away i intentionally did not allow my preaching to be of clever speech my preaching was in fact foolish that's what it says how did god save the people in the church at corinth through my foolish preaching <laughs> foolish preaching so in other words when 
whenever the Lord gives you an opportunity to come up on the stage here, don't try to look profound. God is not looking for how many dictionary words you can quote. God is not looking for how many good points there are in your sermon. When you're sharing the gospel with your friends, God is not looking for how well you can articulate what examples you will. No, God is not looking for any of those things. All that God is looking for is, are you willing to become foolish? Are you willing to look foolish when you preach this gospel? Because you, you see, all of you guys think that I'm a very uh, un understandable person because I, I know scripture. You've, you've journeyed with me a little bit. You've followed me a little bit. But can you imagine if I'm standing on the road and I'm doing what I'm doing to you guys, what will they think? Sunday morning, you should be sitting at home and watching India, Sri Lanka, third day, exciting day. Today is the day when they will be all, what is this guy doing? You know, this, is, this, this, this guy has lost it. Most people wouldn't understand. Most people would reject it. And that's what Paul says. Hey, my preaching to you, it looked foolish. But that is what God used to save you. Read it one more time. He has used our foolish preaching to save those, those who believe. So I, I thank God for a church that believes. I thank God for a pastor, a pastors, a group of teachers that we have in this house that are okay to look foolish in preaching what they have learned from the Lord. Whatever God has put into your heart, whatever God has given you, it may not look very wise, it may not look out of the world, but it is okay for you to still come and talk about it. So that is why in this church, we are not looking for wise sermons. We are looking for preaching that is from the heart of God. And we as a church, we will believe. We as a church, we will receive. We as a church, we will respond not because it's clever, but because there is power in the name of Jesus. Because there is power in the cross of Jesus. Because it is not the cleverness of the speech that saves me. It is not the cleverness of the words that are used that, that brings the anointing. It is not the loudness or the decibel of the preaching that brings the anointing. It is the, it is the fact that it is about Jesus. Who are we talking about? That is the say that is the saving grace that is the point that sets us free it says this this preaching this foolish preaching of the cross he says in verse 22 it is foolish to the jews who ask for signs from heaven and it says and it is foolish to the greeks who seek human wisdom so apostle paul he's writing to two groups of people one is the Jews and the other is the Greeks. And he says, the Jews, they are constantly in pursuit of the miraculous. Because they have seen the miraculous in, the, uh, you know, in their history. All the way from Abraham, then Moses. The, they, they always looked for signs to believe that God is with this man. How did they begin to believe that Moses was a sent man of God. You know, Moses asked God, God, look at me. I can't even speak properly. I don't have the clever speech required to become their leader. How do I? So God said, okay, because you say this, why don't you throw the stick down? And then, and then when he threw the rod down, what happened? It became a snake. So he went to Egypt and he started showing some magic tricks. He's like, guys, you have to believe me. Look at this, I can put my hand into the pocket and when I take it out, it's, you know, white as leprous. Hey, by the way, this is in the Bible, okay? Don't look at me, sir, I'm not making it up. Then he puts it back into his pocket and he takes it out, it's clean. And they, they are freaking out. And all the way through the wilderness, they kept demanding for a sign. They kept demanding, hey, is God really with us? How can you say that God is with me? And then Moses will say, okay, tomorrow morning you will see the power of God. And then in the morning they will see manna come. And then, they'll, then they will again rebel against Moses and saying, Moses, I think, I think it's 
time is up. I think it's, it's time for us to go back to Egypt. And then Moses will say, no, no, tomorrow morning, I will give you another sign. And so all through their journey, they needed signs from heaven. And that's why even to Jesus, they came to Jesus and said, you know, if you will just show us one sign from, let's settle this for once and for all. You just show us one sign and we will believe you. Even at the cross, they came and said, if you're really the son of God, why don't you get off the cross? And that's it. The whole nation will come to you. But Jesus, all through the time, he maintained just one thing. He said, there is only one sign that will be given to you and it is a sign of the prophet Jonah. How he was in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. And that's how the son of man, he will die, he will be buried, he will be inside the earth for three days. And that is going to be the sign that you need. That is going to be the sign that, hey, I, I am the sent one. And here is Apostle Paul explaining this to the church at Corinth. And he says, hey, the Jews, they are constantly looking for signs from heaven. The Greeks, on the other hand, they don't want miraculous. They, they have a lot of black magicians who can do miraculous things. You know, the Egyptians, they had their own, uh, uh, you know, wizards who could do the same thing that Moses did. So the Greeks were not looking for miraculous signs. What the Greeks were looking for was wisdom. You blow my mind off, man, I will follow you. You, you show me what content you're posting on your social media. Then I will decide if I can or if I should follow you or not. You, you have to impress me. Impress me with your dressing sense. Impress me with your, uh, you know, with your influence. Impress me with your money. Impress me with your human wisdom. Then I will follow you. So when Paul was preaching that Jesus died on the cross... This didn't make sense to either of the groups. The first group was like, what's the miracle in that? Like, come on, what's the big deal that Jesus died? Jesus is being crucified. We are the ones who paid for Jesus to be crucified. We are the ones who made it happen. What's the big deal? What's the miracle? And for the Greeks who were looking for wisdom, for them they are like, so what? What comes out of it? How can I be saved because someone else died? It didn't make sense to them. For, for these group of people, it says, it was foolish. Verse, the next line, it says, verse 23. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews, they are offended. And the Gentiles, they say, it's all nonsense. See, see Jews, they, are, they were waiting for a Messiah who will come and rescue them from everything, right? Jews, they were waiting for this Messiah who will free them from their captivity to the Romans. When Paul is going and saying, yes, your Messiah came and your Messiah, he died on the cross. The Jews are like, how dare you say that our Messiah was, is dead? That he is crucified. Messiah, he is inconquerable. It's not possible for somebody to crucify the Messiah. So the Jews, they are offended. They are like, you better not talk like that. That is why the Jews were so violent in their persecution of Apostle Paul. Because Paul preached that Jesus is the Messiah who died. The Jews, they were offended. The Gentiles, they say it's all nonsense. It says in verse 24, But to those of us who are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ, there is two things. He is the power of God and he is the wisdom of God. This preaching that is coming to you, it is not just words, not just clever speech, not just about a good sermon that you're listening to. Paul says, if we who believe, we who receive this, we who are saved, we, are, we who are being saved, this, is, this message of the cross, it is the wisdom of God and the power of God. What the Gentiles needed was wisdom. And Jesus was the wisdom of God. The cross carried the wisdom of God. What the Jews needed was power. And the cross carried that power of God. So today when we receive what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we receive two things. We receive the wisdom of God 
and we receive the power of God. The wisdom and the power of God. See, everything that you need in life, if you can just focus on the cross of Jesus, it is available. The provision is already made for you in the cross of Jesus. The wisdom is there. The ability to overcome every problem that you're facing, it's there. The power is also there. The understanding that you need to navigate through different situations in life, it's right there in the cross of Jesus Christ. When we just go back and we meditate and we say, Lord, when you came down and you died on the cross, how, how can I look at the cross and have it make sense in my current situation? Right now, I'm facing financial lack. How can I experience the, the power of God or the wisdom of God begin to manifest right now through the, through the cross? Right now, I'm experiencing brokenness in my relationship. How can I bring in the power of the cross or the wisdom of the cross to come and help me in this particular situation? Right now, I'm not able to go and, and pray for a long time or I'm not able to grow in my walk with God. How can I now depend on the cross to receive wisdom and to receive the power to, 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 to walk with God, to experience growth in my relationship with God? If we can actively, intentionally pursue this revelation of the cross every day for the rest of this week, I'm telling you, we are going to grow in wisdom. We are going to grow in power. We will not be without the help that God has already made available for us. When Jesus died on the cross, he cried out saying it is finished. Which means it was finished right there on the cross. Right there. I mean, is the resurrection important? Absolutely. Because if it was not for the resurrection, our faith is useless. That's what Paul said. Is the ascension important? Absolutely. Is the, is the work that Jesus is doing right now at the right hand of the Father, is that important? Oh my, it is very, very important. But the wisdom and the power of God was released at the cross. Not at the resurrection. All of us can look at the resurrection and say, wow, what a powerful event. Jesus was raised, his body started glowing. Now he can walk through closed doors. Now his body is an undiable body. It's a glorified body. We can all look at the resurrection and say, wow, that is a wise thing to do. We can all look at the resurrection and say, that is a powerful thing. But Bible says it is not, I'm not talking about the resurrection. I'm talking about the death of Jesus, the cross of Jesus. That is where the power is. He says the cross is the wisdom of God and it is the power of God. So what I'm going to do is pick up a few scriptures that talk about wisdom and a few scriptures that talk about the power of what Jesus did for us. We'll meditate on five points each, okay? There are so many more when you pray, when you read the scripture, when the Lord shows you different aspects of the cross, you can add to this list. But I'm going to count about five things, five points under wisdom and five points under the power. Okay? Proverbs chapter 2 verse 9. The writer of this proverb, he's talking about the wisdom of God, heavenly wisdom. And he says, when you have this wisdom, then you will understand what is right, what is just, and what is fair, and you will find the right way to go with this wisdom. So when you, when you understand the cross of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you will experience wisdom and the power of God. And then the writer of Proverbs says that when you have the wisdom of God, you will be able to understand what is right, what is just, and what is fair. Not only that, and you will find the right way. You will be able to navigate yourself to do the right thing. Come on now. We are waiting for the next prophet to come and tell us which is the right way to go. I'm telling you, you go back to the cross. I'm telling you to go back to where Jesus suffered for us. Jesus carried our burden where Jesus paid for our sins. 
you will find in there the directions, the right way for you to live. It says you will know what is right, you will know what is just, and you will know what is fair. Where? At the cross. Because at the cross, somebody who didn't have to pay for our sin, who was the righteousness of God, he became a sinner. Somebody who was the most just, the just God did an unjust thing. It was unjust for God to kill an innocent person. And Jesus, his death was injustice. If something happens to us, we deserve it because we are sinners. But he is the only person who didn't deserve to die. It was an unjust thing. So when you meditate on the cross, you understand what is true justice and what is fairness. You know, we, my, my kids, they always, one of the constant complaint is, oh, that's not fair. Go to bed, that's not fair. Eat your breakfast, that's not fair. I'm like, what are you comparing this with? Everything. You know, of our generation, we find everything is not fair. We find that everybody is hurting us. Everybody is out there to, you know, victimize us. To make sure we are put down. And, and, and the Bible says, when you go to the cross, you receive the wisdom to know what is right, what is just, and what is fair. So the first point is that it gives us understanding on what is right, what is just, and what is fair. What gives us understanding? The wisdom that is available on the cross. It gives us the understanding on what is right, what is just, and what is fair. The next point, Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 16. It says, wisdom will save you from the immoral woman, from the seductive verge of the promiscuous woman. So there are traps that are laid, you know, in, in, in Proverbs chapter 2. It will talk about the traps that this immoral woman has laid for this very gullible, innocent guy. And the Bible says wisdom is going to now save you from these traps. So we are connecting this back to the wisdom we are receiving from the cross of Jesus. So can I say that when you walk in the wisdom of God, when you grow in your understanding of what the cross is, what the cross does, that you will, you will have the grace to be saved from all types of traps that are laid for you to sin, all types of temptations that are in your way, all types of, you know, deception that is all the lure that is in, the, in your journey. In this next one week, if you feel that you don't know how to escape all the temptations in your life, can you just go back to the cross? Because at the cross, you will find not just the, not just the forgiveness of sin. We'll come to that. There is power at the cross. But you also get wisdom at the cross. This wisdom, it helps you. It saves you from sin. It keeps you away from sin. So in this season, if you are struggling with any areas where you feel that, you know, there is a trap, there is a lure that is set in my way. It says, the wisdom of the cross, it saves me from the trap and from the lure of sin. What is the first thing? It gives me understanding on what is right, what is just and fair. And then it saves me from the trap and the lure of sin. So this week we need this. See, I, I didn't want to just preach an emotional sermon about the fact that Jesus died on the cross. I wanted to tell you what is the wisdom we can receive from the fact that Jesus died on the cross. Amen? The next thing that it does is it brings us healing and strength. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 8 says, Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. The previous line, it actually says, do not rely on your own wisdom. Do not trust in your own self. Rely on the wisdom of God, on His grace. If you do that, then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. How many of you have body this morning? Flesh, flesh and bones. Come on, we're all made of flesh and bones, yeah? 
Okay. Lord, uh, don't scare me here. Jesus said spirits don't have flesh and bones, which means I don't want spirits to attend my church this morning. I want some human beings in this place, yeah? So we all need time to time some repair in our flesh and we need strength in our bones. The Bible says this wisdom that we get from the cross, what does it do? It gives us healing for our body and it gives us strength for our bones so this week if you feel weak if you feel your knees hurting every time you get up don't run to the ortho go to the cross yeah don't don't sit and crib about how how bad your pain is go to the cross because now you're going to be strengthened at the cross what are the three things let's let's read it together it gives us understanding on what is right what is just and what is fair and it saves us from the trap and the lure of sin and it brings us healing for our body and strength for our bones that is what the wisdom of the cross brings for us amen proverbs chapter 3 and verse 18 read it loud one two three go wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her happy are those who hold her tightly two things we see here it says it's a tree of life it's a tree of life come on do you know about the tree of life where was it found earlier garden of eden do you know what god did god had to kick adam and eve out of the garden so that they will not keep eating from the tree of life they're like if they continue to eat of the tree of life they will live forever do you know this Genesis chapter 3 yes and it says when you experience this wisdom see the people in Solomon's time they actually didn't understand the fullness of it they're like what wisdom is he talking about which standard do I need to pass out of which school do I need to study in what do I need to do to get this wisdom but here comes Apostle Paul to explain to us the wisdom of God, where we can find the wisdom of God. He's saying the, the, the wisdom of this world, it is foolishness in the eyes of God. God has rejected that. And instead, he has made the foolish preaching of the cross of Jesus to be now the wisdom and the power of God. And then when you understand, go, go back to what Solomon wrote. In fact, this is written by David. David, he is telling this to Solomon. And that's why he's using the language, my son, my son. The first nine chapters, it's, it's, you will find this repeated terms, my son, my son. Which means Solomon is writing down what the father told him. What his father gave him as instructions. And he's saying, this wisdom, when you receive it, this wisdom will give you access to the Garden of Eden. This wisdom is now going to make you happy. This wisdom is now going to make you joyful. This wisdom is now going to make you lighthearted. So if you meditate on the cross, if you go back to the cross of Jesus Christ, you're not going to come out more sorrowful and more morose. You're going to come out happy. You will come out celebrating. You will be filled with the tree of life. In fact, if you continue to fellowship with this place, with this tree of life, what God said about Adam and Eve can happen to you. You will live forever. There is no way that anything can kill you. You know that some people die and other people just go to heaven. We don't want to die. We don't want to die. We, don't, we cannot let sickness kill us. When it is time for us, we will just go to heaven. We just have to go to heaven. That's it. We cannot let sickness take us down. We have to be unkillable people. We are the unkillable. Why? Because we have the wisdom of God that is a tree of life. When I go back to the cross, I experience the tree of life and I experience happiness. So the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the cross, it gives me these four things. What are those? It gives understanding on what is right and what is just and what is fair. It saves us from the trap and the lure of sin. It is healing for my body and it is strength 
for my bones. This wisdom of the cross is now a tree of life and it brings me happiness. Amen. That is why we are going to meditate on the cross for this week because we're going to get happiness and the tree of life. Uh, the last point for the wisdom, Proverbs chapter 4 verse 8. It says, if you prize wisdom, then she will make you great. Embrace her and what will she do? She will honor you. Wow. So not only are you going to receive the tree of life, not only are you going to be happy, now the Bible says you will experience greatness when you're here on the earth. Honor will come looking for you. You know, we, we all look for honor and greatness by subscribing to the worldly wisdom. If only I can do MBA from this particular college, then I will be valued in my office. No, you go to the cross of Jesus. I'm, I'm not saying don't do MBA. Please get my heart. If the Lord wants to do you to do an MBA, please do an MBA. But your greatness will not come from that. Your honor cannot come from the fact that you, you get this salary. No. Your greatness doesn't come from the fact that you have any earthly possessions. Your greatness and your honor comes from the wisdom of God, which is at the cross of Jesus. Somebody read it out one more time. The wisdom of the cross, it gives me understanding on what is right, what is just, and what is fair. It saves me from the trap and the lure of sin. It is healing for my body and strength for my bones. It is a tree of life and happiness. It, it brings greatness and honor into my life. Amen? This is the preaching of the cross of Jesus. The revelation when we believe it, when we go meditate on it, when we receive the power of the cross, we receive everything that is hidden in there. And there is so much more. There is wisdom beyond your wildest imaginations. And you can continue to meditate on the cross and you can continue to receive from the cross great things. But we're going to touch the power of the cross. Are you okay with this? Galatians chapter 6 verse 12. Paul says, those who are trying to force you to be circumcised, they want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ, somebody scream alone. alone. The cross of Christ alone. Wow. Which means I don't need anything else. I don't need a church. I don't need a name tag saying I'm a Christian. I don't need you know, social status, nothing. All that I need is the revelation of the cross. And the revelation of the cross is enough to save me. The revelation of the cross is enough to set me free. The revelation of the cross is enough. I, I know, you know, the, these guys, you know, the church at Galatia, they, they were struggling because a lot of people were coming and telling them, oh, if you will do these things, you know, you're, you're, you will actually be set free. You... You have to now, you know, be circumcised. You have to now give so much money. You have to now, you know, go to this place, fast for so many days and, and do all of these external acts of righteousness so that you can experience what God has in store for you. But Paul says, no, the cross of Christ is enough. The cross of Christ is self-sufficient. That is the power of the cross. The cross of Christ is self-sufficient to save me. Amen. The next verse, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It says, he personally, what did he do? He, he carried our sins in his body. Where? On the cross. Why? So that we can be now dead to sin. So my sin was carried and my sin was put to death. On the cross so that we can live for what is right and by his wounds we are healed so peter says there are two things that happen on the cross it is that your sins it was carried and it was put to death your sin was carried and your sin was destroyed on that cross 
come on when did you do your sin in the year 2022 on march 2nd at you know 10 am whatever time but when did jesus die on the cross sorry wrong answer the bible says even before the foundation of the earth were laid the lamb was slain jesus didn't die 2000 years back jesus died even before the earth was created the cross of jesus had already happened so even before you and i sinned what did he do he knew the lie that you're going to speak he knew the hate you will have in your heart and what did he do he carried your sins and he destroyed your sins on that cross wow tell me if this cross is powerful tell me if you have a revelation of this cross because this the power of the cross number one is that it is self sufficient to save and second sin was carried and destroyed on this cross so please don't let anybody trick you into believing anything else no your sin it was already carried you don't have to fast and pray so that your sin can be forgiven you don't have to do anything so your sin can be destroyed it was already destroyed it was already dealt with on the cross colossians chapter 2 verse 15 this is going to be interesting are you ready for this okay it says in this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross come on tell me if the cross is powerful or not paul said this is the wisdom of god and it is the power of god so if you want to experience victory over spiritual rulers or authorities where do you go to you go to the cross you go to the power that is available in the revelation of what jesus did on the cross because the cross of christ alone is enough at the cross it says he disarmed which means he made them naked he removed all of the armament on them then he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross see i i i would like to believe the other way that when jesus rose from the grave that satan you know we've seen all of that right we've seen the 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 act i i, I don't know how many of you have seen this uh, uh play where the satan is rejoicing partying for 3 days no anybody nobody has seen this and then finally when jesus rose again satan is like oh no i lost it But that's not what my bible says where did jesus defeat satan on the empty tomb please understand i'm talking about the cross of jesus see this is why it didn't make sense to the greeks this is why the jews they were offended by this how, how can jesus dying on the cross disarm the spiritual rulers and powers and authorities how can he exercise victory over them and put them to public shame by dying that doesn't make sense but that is the truth my dear friends and this morning i'm preaching to you the foolish gospel the the powerful gospel the the gospel that is wise in god's standards and and this gospel says the demonic rulers and demonic authorities they were defeated at the cross and this is the power of the cross that it is self sufficient to save me that sin was carried and destroyed at this cross and the demonic rulers and authorities they were defeated at this cross so the next time you watch that play please refuse to believe it because satan he was defeated right there when jesus died on the cross that's why even to the last minute he came and kept saying hey get out get off the cross if you are the son of god please come down please come down he he was hoping for a last chance he was that was his last attempt 
you remember at the in the in the wilderness what did he do? he say if you are the son of god turn the rock into bread if you are the son of god jump off the temple if you are the son of god just you know bow down worship me uh, you'll get all this and the next time satan comes was at the cross and he said hey if you are the son of god get off the cross now before it's too late because this was his last chance to get jesus off the cross because when jesus died on the cross the bible says there was so much power that went out of the death of jesus that it was a public defeat of the spiritual rulers and authorities my dear friends when demons come to haunt you you go to the cross you remind him of what jesus did for us on the cross you begin to sing a song about the cross you begin to declare a revelation of what jesus did and i'm telling you there will be the same power of god that was released when jesus died on the cross that same power will be released in your life the bible says when jesus died there were saints that were resurrected did you know this not when he rose again but when he died there was so much extra leftover power <laughs> that even saints rose again from the grave when jesus died that is the power of the cross i'm talking about the bible says in ephesians chapter 2 and verse 16 together as one body christ he reconciled both groups to god by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death he is now talking about jews and gentiles in verse in the previous verse verse 15 he is talking about how jews and gentiles we are like two different categories but because jesus died on the cross he united us not only did he unite us with the father but the 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 hostility that was there in between us he broke that wall of hostility that is why apostle paul is writing to the church at corinth and saying hey why is there division among you why is there lack of harmony among you because this cross it is powerful enough to make us one it is powerful enough read that with me it says together as one body christ reconciled both groups the person sitting on your left and your right he reconciled us to god by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death who do you have a hostility against this morning do you know that the cross is powerful enough to erase that the cross is powerful enough to unite you in spite of the differences see jews and gentile i mean these guys they would not even eat on the same table we are talking about high level racism not the kind of racism we are we hear about today this is atrocious if if what they prayed and how they lived would be spoken about in news media today they will be the most uh, uh, racist group in the world and paul says you know what these two groups that would never go hand in hand now these two groups the hostility between them has been destroyed by the death of jesus on the cross amen so what did the cross do it is self sufficient to save me it is uh, it, the sin was carried and destroyed on the cross demonic rulers and authorities were defeated on the cross and it has united us it has united jews and gentiles the last verse for today are you ready for this i wish you are ready for this i'm telling you if you get this verse you'll go crazy okay let's see how many of you can understand this colossians chapter 1 verse 20 and it says and through him god reconciled everything to himself he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of christ's blood on the cross 
He's not just now talking about everyone. He's talking about everything, visible and invisible, everything. He made peace and reconciled everything to himself. Where? Because of the blood that was spilled on the cross. Which means, if there is an earthquake that is coming, or that is supposed to come, you can rise up in the power of the cross and you can declare the peace that was released at the cross and that earthquake will now need to obey your voice. Everything in heaven. Tomorrow, let's say an asteroid is coming to hit the earth. The other day I watched a documentary with my kids which freaked them out. They're like, okay. It was very clear in the documentary that it is going to happen in 5 billion years. The earth will be, you know, destroyed. That's what that guy said. And my children, they have started counting 5 billion years. And, and, and <laughs> you know. But you know what? Let's say that an asteroid is coming to hit the earth. As long as the church is upon the earth, we have the right, the grace, the power. See, I'm talking scripture now, okay? It says that, through the death of Jesus on the cross, everything was reconciled. And everything, there was peace in, in everything, in every atmosphere. So this morning, when we sit here in Bangalore and we declare peace over Ukraine, if we declare, declare peace in the atmosphere over Russia, if we declare peace over the atmosphere over the nation of India, the Bible says everything and everything. Peace has, been, peace has been established. It doesn't say it will happen. This is past tense. If, please correct me if I'm wrong. He made peace. It's done already. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. In heaven and on earth. If your problem is in heaven or on earth, it's taken care of. If your problem is in the spiritual realm or in the physical realm, it's taken care of. You don't have anything to fight anymore. There is peace. There is peace. You can experience the reconciliation that Jesus paid for. The peace that Jesus paid for with his, with his death on the cross. Amen? With me? The power of the cross. It is self-sufficient to save me. Sin was carried and destroyed on this cross. Demonic rulers and authorities were defeated on this cross. It has united Jews and Gentiles, destroyed the hostility in between us. He has reconciled everything. And now there is peace with everything in heaven and on earth because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Come on. We have to receive this wisdom and we have to receive this power that is in the cross this morning. Lift your hands to him right now. Father, we thank you because there is wisdom. We thank you because there is power. We thank you because there is grace. We thank you because there is revelation. Oh, the wonderful cross. Oh, the wonderful cross. Yes. Oh, the wonderful cross. Oh, the wisdom in the in the life the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus 
that is available for us to see when we look at Jesus on the cross. I release that wisdom upon this house this morning, Daddy. And I pray and I declare that my people, they will know what is just, what is right and what is fair. They will know what is the right way, what is the next steps, how to take these next steps. That they will not be without solutions and answers, God. We declare that they will not fall into the trap or the lure of sin in this week. Because their, their minds are filled with the wisdom of God. We also declare that they will have healing in their body and strength in their bones. Because of the wisdom of the cross, we, 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 we restore what was taken away. We restore what was stolen from them. We restore the health. We restore the blood levels to come back to normal. We thank you for the tree of life. Death be cancelled and life be reinstated in Jesus' name. For the tree of life and for happiness. Somebody say, I thank you, Lord, for happiness. We thank you, Lord, for greatness and honor that is coming upon your children this week. Divine greatness and honor that is coming upon your children. We thank you for this cross is alone it alone is enough to save me it is self-sufficient we thank you for my sin was carried and my sin was destroyed it was put to death on this cross every demonic rulers and authorities they were defeated at this cross we celebrate the victory that Jesus paid a price for we thank you because the hostility between us. Oh yes, that hostility has been broken down today because of the power of the cross. And we know that you have reconciled everything. And now there is peace with everything in heaven and on the earth. We have peace with our atmosphere. We have peace with our surrounding. We have peace with our nation because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And we release that peace in the world around us. We release that peace into the homes, into the families that are represented here. We release that peace into every nation that this video is being released into, where this audio is going. We release that peace into the nations of the earth right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for a revelation of the wisdom and the power of the cross. Wield ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for tuning in today's sermon. We hope this word has been a blessing to you. Do visit at dreamingrevival.com for more information. You are welcome to tune in every Sunday for our live celebration service at 11 a.m. at youtube.com slash God bless you and have a blessed week.